0: Hi friends, welcome to Preacher, a podcast designed around the reality that many of our churches are shrinking because we haven't created a place where everyone can belong. So if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church, this podcast is for you. Welcome. I'm your host, Jen Hale Christie, and this is season four. We have a wonderfully supportive and encouraging Patreon community. Sarah, Lauren, Dave, Mark, Sheila, and Tom, I thank the world of you all, and I thank our God every time I remember you. If you are a listener who hasn't yet joined our Patreon community or you're wondering what in the world it is, now is a great time and you can join with a support level as low as just $3 a month. Your support keeps this good work going, so thank you so much. Links are in the show notes. Friends, we are living in a truly remarkable time. Never before has the future seemed so uncertain. And what better time to be dwelling in the book of Acts among a people who were living in unprecedented times. May we find ourselves in these stories as we find ourselves in God's story. Today, we have a special guest preacher, and afterwards, I encourage you to stick around to hear our conversation about life, ministry, how this sermon is working on them, and hopefully find a little hope for the church. And now, let's hear a word. One of
1: my very favorite pieces of writing is called Poetry is Not a Luxury, which is an essay written by Audre Lorde in the late 70s. Towards the end, she writes this, There are no new pains. We have felt them all already. They surface in our dreams, and it is our dreams that point the way to freedom. Those dreams are made realizable through our poems that give us the strength and courage to see, to feel, to speak, and to dare. As a woman finishing up her degree in biblical studies at a conservative Christian university, I am very drawn to finding people within the scriptures who felt the same pains that I do. Pains of identity and exclusion alongside the joy and acceptance of the gospel. People within the sacred pages that point the way to a freedom that comes only from the gift of the Spirit. People who had dreams that I have, who saw, felt, spoke, and dared to be disciples in a time much more dangerous than my own. Particularly, the book of Acts is one I have been so drawn to in the past few years. As I myself am about to step out into the wide world of ministry It is so encouraging to read about the early church doing the exact same thing. Men and women, uncertain and excited yet ready to run a good race and to fight the good fight. One of these examples is found in the lives of Priscilla and Aquila, a husband-wife duo who were a huge part of the Apostle Paul's early ministry. We know this because of their frequent mention in Paul's letters. It seems that these two stay really, really dear to him as he continues on his journeys, not just as co-workers in the gospel, but as friends, even until his death. Today, I want to focus in on Priscilla to see what we can learn from her and what encouragement can be drawn from the life that she lived, even with just the few bits we see of her in scripture. Priscilla does not necessarily have poems that she left behind, but rather an enduring legacy of speaking the gospel truth that gives me strength today to do the same. When we first hear of Priscilla in Acts 18, she is introduced as a tent maker and friend in the gospel. Having been forced out of Rome by Cornelius, Priscilla and Aquila are essentially refugees in Corinth. They know what it means to be desperate and tired and outsiders. Despite this, she and her husband follow in Paul's footsteps and use their business as ministry and a way to advance the gospel. Priscilla and Aquila seem to work together in business, but they also seem to work side by side in spreading the gospel as well. Jesus himself sent his disciples out two by two, and that tactic seems to be remembered in this pairing. A beautiful example of a marriage devoted to serving the gospel, Priscilla and Aquila are a team, almost always mentioned together. They seem to be the forerunners of husband-wife ministry teams that we see so often today. After such a dramatic exile from Rome, one wonders how they came to follow Paul to Ephesus in verse 18. Were they sad to leave home yet again? Or did the dramatic involuntary push from Rome earlier serve to prepare their hearts to move later? This time, though, of their own decision. Regardless, having moved with Paul to Ephesus, in Acts 18, starting in verse 25, they have one of their most famous encounters with a man named Apollos. Apollos is a very charismatic and learned preacher from Alexandria, which is a town that is honored for its intellect and its education. Starting in verse 25, we read, He, meaning Apollos, had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. This private reteaching is in direct comparison with a public rebuke of incorrect theology, which was a common practice of Pharisees at the time. Think about their later criticism of Jesus in the gospel accounts, often intended to be in public places. As I imagine this scene in my head, I wonder how much reliance on the Lord was needed to reach out and critique someone so well-respected, and then to do so in a kind and honoring way. This, to me, speaks of the changed heart that one receives upon accepting Christ. Rather than immediately call out his inadequate interpretation, Priscilla and Aquila instead welcome with hospitality, seeking to love first an attitude seen by Christ during his time on earth. This scripture tells us that Priscilla and Aquila invited Apollos to their home and together explained the way of the gospel more clearly. Together, woman and man, they are able to critique and teach and instruct. This is incredibly countercultural, and you can probably see why I am drawn to Priscilla in this passage. As a co-worker of Paul, a host of the early church, and someone who explained the way of the gospel more clearly, Priscilla is set apart in Scripture as a teacher of teachers, one who fears the Lord and serves him with the gifts that she has been given. This desire to lead others to Christ was not one of forced compulsion, but rather the outpouring of a right and willing spirit. While her time spent with Paul, yes, gave her credibility on the surface, it would be wrong to assume that she didn't learn anything from him to put into later use. She held knowledge of her own. As a couple, they had great leadership with the fledgling churches, and Priscilla and Aquila are often mentioned as leading congregations in their own home, risking their own lives, and ultimately being great examples of the way of the Lord. The fact that these compliments are given to both Priscilla and Aquila is a very interesting idea, and it's led many to conclude that Priscilla's contributions to the church are actually of her own accord. It's also notable that her name often appears before Aquila's in mention, as it was custom in that time to mention the husband before the wife in discussion. Some take this to mean she may have held a higher social status or even greater teaching abilities. While we don't know for sure why the grammatical anomaly, it becomes clear that she is not just riding the coattails of her husband's successful ministry career, but rather Priscilla herself is serving and ministering alongside him. How that ministry looks specifically is something we don't really get to see in scripture, but its influence can be seen in the lasting inscriptions regarding her on monuments and churches, including one of the earliest in Rome the Commimentarian Priscilla. It's this recognition of her in the later church that leads me to conclude her prominent and significant role in the ministry earlier. Her contributions to the early church stood on their own. To see a woman liberated from her societal limitations and encouraged to stand in faith next to, not behind her husband, would have been shocking to the system of the time but very much in line with the upside-down kingdom Christ described during his time on earth. This is a message that Priscilla sees as greater than the constructs around her. And rather than stay in line with the society of her time, she instead chose to step out and look up, raising head and heart to the one that is higher than her. But as much as I am drawn to her boldness and heart for leadership— I find myself skipping over an equally important part of the story, the fact that Apollos listened. He chooses to humble himself to being taught by those who do know better than him, including one who happens to be a woman, someone the rest of society was very happy to simply skip over. Apollos then is able to use this newfound knowledge not to move up the ranks of Christendom, but to be a great help to those who by grace had believed. This, to me, speaks of the proper submission Paul is speaking of in his letter to Ephesus. I wonder if he was thinking of this interaction while writing to his brothers and sisters there. If he was reminded of this successful and charismatic and intelligent man sitting at the dinner table of refugees. Not defending or arguing or discrediting, but just listening and learning. And then I think of myself. How many times do I defend and argue and discredit in an attempt to show my knowledge and worth, to prove to people that I deserve a spot at the table when sometimes they're the ones who pulled up a chair for me? How often do I fail to submit myself to the power of the Holy Spirit, instead stubbornly choosing pride? How often do I reject the advice of counsel for the sake of trusting my own flawed intuition? You see, I love to hold Priscilla up to be the example, to be the one worth striving after. But in doing so, I seem to conveniently forget that Apollos, in his humble stature, is also someone worth respecting and learning from. Right now, my 20s are shaping up to be a continual series of being knocked down, only to be helped up again and again. Every day, it seems I'm made more aware of how little I know, especially about God, and at times... It's so discouraging. I find myself fighting to stand up and prove myself, only to find that my footing is falling. But when I try and loudly prove to everyone that I too can be Priscilla, I find that I'm missing out on learning actually how to become her. I'm forgetting to listen, and in doing so, I'm failing to learn. Sarah Coakley, in her essay, Living into the Mystery of the Holy Trinity, writes this, If we allow enough space in which we are not insistently setting the agenda, if we allow, that is, this precious hiatus for the Spirit, then we breathe the Spirit's breath. Essentially, we need to leave room for the groaning beyond words that the Spirit intercedes for us with. This is the equal relationship that we see in the Trinity, and it is one that we are lucky enough to be invited into. In life, though, I think we must also always look to leave room for relationship room that sometimes allows for teaching and rebuking and correcting room one might say to grow in highlighting the expansion of the church we would miss god's love for inclusion if we sat here today and ignored priscilla's example but we would also miss god's heart for proper submission if we ignored apollos but ultimately we would miss the movement of God to bring about his desired future if we ignored this encounter's ultimate effect of proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. What's seen in the book of Acts is intended to grow and evolve into the church as we see it today. Do you recognize yourself in the lives of these people? Do you feel any of their pains? Personally, I am encouraged to know that there are new new pains, as said by Audrey Lord earlier. I imagine Priscilla knew the pain of rejection for her gender. I imagine Apollos knew the sting of criticism. But I also know that they were confident of something greater, the truth of the Word incarnate and the Spirit now resting inside of them. I hope one day I can be as committed to the cause of Christ as that of my sister Priscilla, but I also hope to always be malleable and humble enough to be taught a better way, just like my brother Apollos. Let's center ourselves in the presence of God. Father God, we thank you for your holy work that exists here to teach us. We thank you for your Son and the work of the Spirit, and we ask that we can continue to grow into becoming people who honor you and serve you and love you. Right now, the world feels as if it is falling apart, but we are confident that you are will never fail nor fall apart. We thank you for the opportunity to fellowship with one another, even through podcast. Just the ability to recognize the glory of the church is so wonderful, and we ask that we are able to continue to humbly do it justice and to live the life that you are calling us to. Thank you so much for your son and the life that he lived. We are so honored to get to be a part of this relationship. Help us to recognize that and live
0: into it fully. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Hello, Morgan Prophet, and welcome to The Preacher Podcast. Hi.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Well, it's so good to see you all the way out there in San Antonio, Texas. You would normally be away at college right now, but you're at home for the quarantine, right?
1: Am yes, I'm at my parents' house, um, but I'm a junior, so I'm studying biblical studies, education, and humanities.
0: Okay, and you were telling me that you do have aspirations to go into ministry. That perhaps you might even dare to say you feel called to ministry. Is that right?
1: (laughs) I, Lord willing, that is something that I think that my future is leading to. I just, it's a very funny thing to talk about calling and being. 21 and recognizing that my life <laughs> has so much ahead of me um but i, I do think that uh, ministry and working uh to serve and further the gospel in like a teaching format and in a preaching format is something that i have been unable to avoid almost almost the <laughs> has kind of been been running at me with uh with some things that i just I would say, I think called is maybe the best word for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I like that image of that. This has just been coming at you and you can't avoid it. I mean, that really (laughs) makes me think about Moses, like, nope, pick somebody else, have somebody else do the talking. It's not me. i had a lot of
1: those moments.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say that listening to your sermon, um, you did not strike me as a college student. And you did not strike me as like a a beginner preacher. I mean, you have an eloquent voice and something important to say. And I was really impressed by you, frankly. Thank you.
1: That really means so much. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, So I guess it's no surprise that you have been involved. You were sharing that you've been involved with the Next Gen Preacher Search through Pepperdine.
1: I have, yes. It was was such a wonderful... I, I think I'm going to look back at that weekend as just very pivotal for me, uh, because I just got told by people that I, like Randy Harris and Jeff Walling, people I've grown up hearing about kind of just look at me and say like, you, you have like a gift for this. Like, this is a a beautiful thing. That was, it's monumentally life-changing for me. Um, I think about that weekend a lot when times are hard or sad or frustrating, because I, I feel like God sent me to Malibu that weekend because he was going to be facing some trial and some hardship, but here is some just witnesses that are going to be there and remind you of, of being strong and being faithful. And it's just, it's amazing. NextGen is a really incredible program and I'm really honored that I got selected to be a part of it and just, it's so, so special.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so that was pretty recent and, yes. and share with us about kind of growing up like, um, the influences, like particularly when you got into middle and high school, kind of like what it was like for you as a woman in the church. And then, um, you know, the experiences that you had and the freedoms that you had, and then kind of learning later about what you weren't supposed to do.
1: <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> um, uh, growing up, I grew up in a, in a church of Christ and, uh, my whole life uh, in different states and cities and whatnot. But when I was in middle school, I entered into my youth group, and it was in just an absolutely incredible experience for me because uh, my youth minister decided to do something called the November 10. And so in November, they had 10 high schoolers and 10 junior high kids uh, teach on Wednesday nights. And as a sixth grader, I was like, of course, I love talking in front of people. I love making a good PowerPoint. I <laughs> love and that. And so, um, of course, as an 11-year-old, I was like, this is what I have to do. Um, and every single year, I got the opportunity to do that and to just share with my youth group. And it was a really, I think back on that as it was so formative for me because um, by the time I got into high school, my church started doing a study on women's roles. And it was, it was so confusing almost because I was hearing things like, all right, we're stepping forward, we're making these bold jumps, we're considering, you know, all of these big changes, and I was like, wait, I've just, I've been doing this, though, since I, like, since I was 11, (laughs) Uh, and so, and so it was something for me that I, I had to really reconcile, maybe a lot of the voices that I was hearing from a lot of different perspectives, and, and really have to say, well, well, what is it that, that I believe, and and I think I've been been doing things that are really indicative of what I believe. I've been grown in this, this belief. And uh, it was a really, it was a really stressful time. And there's a lot of tension with, and I learned a lot about church dynamics and families and um, just ministry in general that I look back on now is like super pivotal for me as going into ministry. I got to see this really hard transition and this, this, this battle. <laughs> um, and Got to see like on the other side of that and it was so freeing i think is maybe the word for it because at the end of it all i just i was able to kind of look at my youth minister or at the friends around me and say i think i think this is like what i want to do and and i don't think that's wrong and rather than them saying oh well let's look at it we had already done that and they just got to say okay like we have looked at it, we've discerned it, and and we, we're going to be faithful in stepping forward into this. Um, and then going to college, I got to kind of experience um, a, a different perspective uh, at a bit more harsh ways, I guess you could say, uh, while simultaneously also finding such a wonderful community of people around me. Uh, and so in college, I've really been I don't know if force, I think force is the right word. <laughs> I've been forced to kind of decide like what it is I believe and find resources for it and be able to back up an argument while also at the same time really trying to like lay it out before the Lord and say like if this is what you are telling me and if this is the life and the path that you are leading me to, then I want to boldly like step forward into that and not be afraid and also learn to give grace and to be faithful and just to step into a battle of my own maybe. Um, That I think is hard, but also just so incredibly worthwhile because the gospel is worth it, you know?
0: Yes, definitely. So you so you grew up in a pretty um, affirming environment, at least in the youth group, which is actually that's that's um, similar to how I was raised. And but kind of in the bigger church, you know, as a whole, like that's when the rules were different. Um, and I think that's pretty common. But then you got to college and kind of um, were confronted with like the reality that actually a lot of people still still don't think that women should be doing X, Y, or Z, um, and yes. have really strong, <laughs> re- very strong beliefs around yes.
1: that. <laughs> yes
0: yeah oh man I say I'm I
1: I say I'm really glad uh for a lot of those experiences though because I've learned um that the other side of the argument is not some like this enemy it's not some person out to destroy me or to take away my calling or to it's not like they're not trying to be hurtful it's just it's and it's given me a lot of like I'm looking at people that I love and I my heart is like hurt sometimes by things that they say but at the same time I'm like but I still like love you and and I still and I want to like keep practicing that because as I go into ministry I will find harder conversations and and maybe the same conversation in much different mats. and I feel like this experience now in college has been so like so growing because I've been able to kind of learn, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to give grace and I'm going to give grace to others, but I also need to give grace to myself because sometimes it's like, I just have to walk away and pray that the spirit is so much greater than any of my words ever will be. And like, that is, that is enough. Yeah. Uh, because like he is he is so much more faithful and will provide so much more than I ever could with a th- three step argument or anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's such a a gracious approach. I love that um, that you're recognizing that these are not faceless enemies. That these are people that you love and are friends with, and maybe in some cases we're related to. That. That we all have a very high regard for scripture, that we are looking at the same Bible and we are just seeing things differently. Mm, Um, And so, so (laughs) yeah, yeah, the big question is how do we still move forward together? How do we stay in relationship and love one another and affirm Mm. each other? Mm. Um, Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so let's shift gears. I want to ask you about your sermon um, because I know and i'm sure you you have experienced this that the sermon works you know the hardest um, or the most intensely perhaps on the preacher before it is ever preached yes. so tell <laughs> us tell us what this experience was like for you what you know what has god well, been revealing to you or working on you yeah
1: like? um originally when i kind of got this section of scripture i had done a previous um sermon on women in acts and priscilla was one of them and so I was really excited because I was like, I already have all of this information. Like, I'm just going to kind of rework it. And I was feeling really excited for it to kind of to reuse maybe some material that I had thought of again, but also kind of like by like looking at it in a new way. And I realized that in writing it, I was like, there's like something missing. Like, I just, I didn't feel good about it. And it kept getting closer to the deadline. And I was like, this is not, I don't think this is like the sermon I'm supposed to be like writing. And I just was, like, looking back at the passage, and um, Apollos just kept standing out to me, and his submission to sit and to listen and to be critiqued, uh, and then to go and and change what he had said before and to present it in this slight. It just, it kept coming back to me because submission is such a hard word for me. It's something that I feel like has been, like, shoved and kind of yes. pushed, and and i have such strong negative connotations to it which is such a problem because the idea of submission in its true form is is beautiful the idea of laying down what we have to fall before the knees of the father and recognize that he knows better than us like it's such a beautiful idea but it's just been twisted specifically i think for for me and for a lot of women that even outside of the church of just submitting in general Uh, It can be so harmful. And when I was reading this, I was just so just caught off guard by the fact that the act that Apollos is choosing to do is one of submission and it is one of of choosing to lay down his own intellect, his own knowledge, his own charisma and, and to listen. And I just was like, that, I think that's, that's the draw that I need to like really be considering and thinking about because I love Priscilla and I love, and that's why I think a lot of, a lot of it still was focused on Priscilla, but I also just kept coming back. I was like, I cannot, I cannot leave Apollos out because as much as I recognize the, like the boldness of Priscilla and just the beauty of her teaching, I am really missing out on the fact that uh, she's teaching, not just like. random group of people but she's teaching someone who then chooses to listen and I just think that's so beautiful especially for me right now in college I just I'm in such a I feel like I'm in such a a humbling state all the time every day (laughs) okay again like uh, I know I feel like I know nothing so much (laughs) and Apollos is not like frustrated I'm in the text we don't get to see him he may have totally wrestled with it's it's so special to me that he just listens and then he goes and he's and he is better for it. And I need that lesson. It's I need that lesson a lot. (laughs) And I suspect that I'm gonna need it for the rest of my life. So I guess it's really good to be learning it now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Wow and what a beautiful message too that like you know the witness of the gospel might not have continued through Apollos had he not submitted in that moment, had he not been willing to say well, wait a second. Maybe I don't fully understand this. Maybe there is something yeah. here to learn, even from somebody who I didn't think should be teaching me.
1: Exactly. There's. Uh, that's, that's exactly it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Well, um, I know our time is up. Is there anything else that you want to share?
1: Um, I don't know. I just, I think I'm really thankful for uh, opportunities that are given to women, especially women within the churches of Christ who maybe um, are not uh, given readily available opportunities sometimes. So things like podcasts and things like NextGen um, are so huge to me because I just, I'm really honored that someone would want me to be a part of it. But I'm just even more so incredibly honored that like God has given me and women in general just the ability to be able to speak his word. And so any avenue at all, I think, is just such a, such a blessing. And I'm just, I'm really, really for you and for people who work to provide room for the rest of us. So.
0: Oh, uh, well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, the, it's an interesting time that we're living in, you know, as far as the church goes. Um, and I think uh, many of us are finding really creative outlets um, yeah. to do ministry in. Um, and so I, I'm really grateful for you being part of this. Um, (laughs) and I do look forward to kind of watching you from afar to watching your career and where you end up after, you know, if you do end up going to do an MDiv or a doctorate and, um, and definitely look forward to having you back on the show. So,
1: oh, thank you so much. That really means a
0: lot. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Um, blessings and, um, prayers for your family, for your safety and health during this crazy time that we're living in. You as well. You as well. Um, Thank you. Good luck homeschooling. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I need it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Morgan. Bye. Bye. If today you find yourself on the outside without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you're always welcome in God's community. If you are one who wears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise known as a faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. Let's build bigger tables together. If something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you really does help to shape the future of this podcast. You'll have the greatest impact and opportunities for engagement by joining our Patreon community by clicking that Become a Patron button on our page patreon.com slash Jen And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook at Jen Hale Lastly, you would really help others to connect with this work if you would subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next time.